For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Today I've got with me Dominic Brunt. Hello, Dominic. Hiya, you? you're all right. I'm very well. Glad to have you back on. Since uh, we spoke when when was Bait? What year was that? 50? Two years ago. Yeah. Two years ago. Right. Wow. Yeah, Time flies. Years. Yeah. You had a fallow year last year. You productive devil, you. Your third <laughs> your third film at Fright Fest. That's right. Yeah. Oh, fourth. We had a we had a short uh, called um, Shell Shot, which oh, we had showing off uh, now, aren't you? a couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, the new one is Attack of the Adult Babies, yes. which for, for the listeners out there, adult babies, not the thing to be Googling willy-nilly. No, and, and seriously, joking apart, seriously, be careful. <laughs> no, I, I, I had this conversation with, with Joanne, your wife, earlier on the year, we talked about women yeah. in horror, and I said it, I was like, it was like trying to find information, you were just like, what am I finding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so well, there's another, women in horror as well. There's another one you've got to be careful of uh, of, uh, of googling. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, look, do you want to tell people a brief synopsis of what Attack of the Adult Babies is to help them if they are googling get the right thing? Well, we're still trying to work it out ourselves, so um, so good luck with working it out. Um, okay. It's uh, on the surface, it's uh, big fat men in nappies being chased around by sexy nurses in suspenders but um that's kind of we went for i, I really I, I saw i saw a documentary years ago on adult babies and i just i just couldn't believe that nobody else had done it that hadn't turned that into a a, a genre film and um mm. so so we went for it so the title came first actually attack of the adult babies came first and we were banding it round for three or four years before we could come up with um the correct synopsis and storyline and treatment to to send out to be written uh but yeah but it, it, you know it's it's um it's gory it's uh it's a chase film it's got a message underlying which we usually like um and it, it came around it's it's a bit of a sidestep for us because we used to kind of we like fairly pole-faced um socially conscious horror films that are usually allegorical of something else, but this is very broad strokes. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, because I suppose, I suppose previously, with Before Dawn, there was a very big story about 
marriages, wasn't there? As well as a zombie yeah. tale. And in Bait, there is the the lone shark and poverty in Britain, which was underlying yeah. the, the revenge tale, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and that's it. So, and, and the same with this. On the surface, it's, it is it's it's it looks like a carry on film, but underneath, is, it's saying lots of different things. But um, so I, yeah, so I'd, I'd been hired by someone called Radar Pictures that had done lots of films. They'd done um, oh, The Last Samurai and uh, Revenge of the Nerds and things like that. So I'd, I'd, I'd been hired uh, by them to go and do a film in Puerto Rico, hmm. and uh, so I took five months off work and. And then it collapsed two weeks before I was supposed to go out there, uh, leaving me with five months off, uh, not knowing what to do. And and then there was a there was a lunch, there was, there was like a dinner, an evening dinner one night, and there was a few people there, and I didn't fancy it, and I was embarrassed about what had happened with the American film, and mm. I was still licking my wounds, as it were. And then and I nearly didn't go out. And then when we did go out, this chap said, "Oh, why why didn't you do Attack of the Adult Babies?" And I said, "Well, I would have gone for the funding for that if this hadn't worked out." And he went, "Oh, well." I've, look, I've been waiting to dive on that for a couple of years now. Hmm. Is it? Is there a script? And I went, yeah, 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 yeah. And he went, well, how long have you got left? And by then I had 12, 14 weeks left hmm. before I went back. And um, and so it, so he 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 bankrolled it and exec produced it and and there we were, you know. So we, we we could make that, but we really had to get our skates on. But it was one of the. It was a, it's bizarre. Like bait was a real. God, like a, it was like pulling teeth. It was a, it was all, it was an awful experience to actually go through and film it, and lots of mistakes, lots of uh, like you know in, in the production side of it. And I was chasing my tail, and I was doing, I was directing and producing and mm. doing it at the same time. But this one, I managed to get a line producer that was brilliant, I had a production team that was brilliant, executive producer was just lovely and left us to it. Uh, we had a good writing team, and then the post production were just perfect because we had uh, post production supervisors. So and it was like. Every mistake we'd learnt off Bait, which I love Bait, the film, I'm still, I still think I hold that up as the one that, that really, really mattered to me. But mm. uh, to get there was a, was a nightmare, really, and it, I paid in my own blood. But this one seemed to, everything, every mistake we'd learned in Bait, which was kind of ironed out, and Attack of the Adult Baby was just, was just a beauty to film right from the beginning to the end. It was lovely. Well, I, rem- I remember one of the things, you, one, of the, one of the stories you told me about directing Bait, which, which I've, I've used as examples when I've been talking to other directors, because I, I found it an interesting, because of the constraints you're working under and the, and the time and the finances and stuff, you, you, you talked about saying to your actors, look, I'm going to block out every scene. Yeah. Uh, and I think you said you were talking about having had this conversation before you were on set. You're going, look, I'm blocking out the scenes. You're going to have to comply. I'll give you some flexibility with the dialogue, but you're going to do exactly what I want you to do in terms of kind of what's happening in front of the camera. If you're yeah, not happy with that, tell me. Yeah, because I mean, if they want if they want to look good on camera, and I want the shots to look good, because I'm all about the shots. I, mean, mm. I think being a director is splitting it into two. You want the shots to look good and clever, and you want mm. the, you know you, you want the, the fluid camera moves, and you want it to start here and end there and develop into this, and the person to come across and reveal this and that and the other. Yeah. But then at the same time, you've got to have the psychology behind it with the actors. So I've always said, look, mm. I will give you time for the psychology. You can talk about this. You can nip the lines here and there. But if you please stand where I say and move when I say, I swear to God, you will look good. You know, and the film will look great. So you, st- you still do that's still important for you with this one, even with even with the freedom you had with the with the greater resources surrounding the making of the film. That was still how you wanted to direct the movie. Yeah, yeah, I think ah, so. Okay. It's in my head, you know. And then if they, but if they come up with different things, like working with Sally Dexter, who was playing the matron. Yeah, she's got a million ideas, but she's not asked where she stands. You know, she isn't. She she but her ideas are little gifts, and she comes out with little character traits and uh, ideas of how the intonations work, and little little just silly little things that come pouring out of her. 
uh, and she was working with Joe, so they were a great little double act. But they're not bothered where they stand, and I think it's, it, uncomfortable actors like to say, "Well, I wasn't standing here and do that." Well, of course he doesn't. Who says? You know, I'm <laughs> so, you know, like, uh, so they've got as much freedom as they want with with performance wise. But it, you know, if they can move when I say, then I, I swear to God that camera move will look great. You know, and we've got that light there, and this develops there, and this does that, and we'll get on, and we've got more time to work out the silly things that actors want to work out. Um, but under my say so, really. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm probably a terrible taskmaster, actually. Well, there's, there's, I mean, there's, there's, there's a kind of level of like being autocratic, but you're also you're you're also saying what you can do as well as what you can't do. So in a way, it's being clear. It's not it's not saying I don't want you to do anything of your own steam, but yeah, there are certain oh, things got... I have to achieve. Is oh, what you're yeah. saying, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm directing theatre at the moment, and, mm. and that's completely different because everybody finds their own way and stands in their own way. But you realise how much bollocks is talked about absolutely nothing, you know, and you think you're talking about this because you're not you're insecure about the lines. And if you sit everybody back down and run and run and run and run the lines, then you realise it's it's because they're not sure about the flow of it and that and the, and and the the impetus behind it and the meaning and that it's not really about where they stand and where they move. Okay, um, so is this is this more about the fact that because if you're shooting out a sequence. Mm. There's, there's a little, there's a, there's, there's maybe a little, a lack of confidence about the continuity and what you're contributing to. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I think so. When I've been uncomfortable as an actor, it's because of where I'm sat or I'm thinking or I think I look silly or I'm doing this and the other. But if I if I know I'm secure, if I if I know the director has got me and he's carrying me through, then as long as I know that, then I, then I, then I'm all right doing whatever I want to do. And I think that's what I offer. I'm saying, you know. Trust me, I have worked on this. I'm not floundering. I know what that camera's going to do. I know the lighting's going to do this. I know if you know your lines, we'll get through this. You know, mm. but you, you can't move there when you can't move to the left. But you know, it's only, it's a silly compromise, but it works all right for me. And it is quite, you know, it sounds constricting, but it isn't. It's quite freeing for them, I think. Well, yeah, you know, outer constraints often becomes the most imaginative thing because it's like, well, what can I do then? If I can't do this, what can I do? And then that yeah. that then drives you to somewhere else. So let's yeah. let's go back. Let's go, let's look. You said like as this 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 magic funding came along that, that made it possible to do it at the timing yeah. where obviously you probably felt pretty lousy given the project had fallen through and you had this time to make a movie. Yeah. Um, the script you said was ready at that point. So let's go back to the let's go back in time when 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 you were working up that treat when you were working up that treatment with I guess I guess you and Joanne were working. The story before it went to your scriptwriter. Um... Yeah, Joanne kind of does more of the stories than that, and she's. Um, but I've I've kind of got the genre sensibilities, and I know what you'd, she'll come up with the arc of it, and then I'll say, but on this bit, this needs to happen, and it, you know, it's been five or ten minutes before somebody's had their head cut off or their arm sliced up, and then you know we could probably do with something there, and that bit of conflict there could be ramped up and moved this way, you know. But she's a genius at stories; she can seem seemingly pull out these stories out of nowhere. I'm sorry, I'm, laugh I'm laughing at the idea of genre sensibilities being. It's been ten minutes till somebody had their head cut off. <laughs> well, we did that before dawn because he, you know, the, the lad that comes in halfway through and tells the story and he says yeah. where he's been and that, and we went there's five minutes before and we've seen any zombies at all. Mm. So because we talked about zombies, we went out and refilmed um, a flashback just to go like that. Ha! Zombie film with no right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Like just little bits like that, you know. And I get a bit fed up. If you, if you, especially with something like Attack of the Adult Babies, if you're offering an attack of some adult babies, you can't have somebody sitting in the corner talking shit for hours. You know, you you have to have. Some... No, this isn't an existential crisis, is it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It's just little rules that I have. And no, no, that's good. No, and it's interesting to know that because I think that you know that the, the you know you think about um, if you watch something like Barton Fink, I mean, it's like that whole thing about 
the the the, the te- every ten pages there has to be some somebody has to die. You know, when they yeah. talk about how the scripts, the studio used to work with the scripting. In, in, <laughs> yeah. it, you know, and that, that's you know, if, if it ain't if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know what I mean? If if yeah. if that's a good way of making sure you keep your film alive for the in the audience's imagination. Yeah, um, I wouldn't mess with the with the natural arc of the story. I would mm. never fit that. I really wouldn't. I'd just think, well, this bit's dipping, you know, or this bit's down that, or somebody's been talking for a long time here, and you know, let's let's cut it into that. You know, I'm just I've just got a sensibility that I want it to move fast. That's why all our films are like eighty five minutes long because. In the edit, they're about 100 minutes long, and they just start throwing bits out and going and getting a rocket up its arse. Okay, okay. But look, look, how do you, I mean, given it is Attack of the Adult Babies, which on the one hand is, like you say, it's, it's, it's alluding to carry on, it's, it's nudge, nudge, wink, wink, but, but how, how did you go about constructing a story out of what is, you know, shocking and or ridiculous, mm. and then developing a, developing a story, which I get the impression it's, it's not all about poking fun at all, is it? There's there's some no, sympathy no, and, and, and some well, empathy to. No, I, I, I think it's just the it's just the iconic image of, of a fat man in a nappy, and I yeah. and I know that there are adult babies here, and I don't, you know, it, it really isn't. I think I, I thank God. I mean, me and you are old enough to realise that it, some of the tabloid papers used to say that gay people were unnatural and things yes, like that. Yes, of course, yeah. I just think, thank God, this day and age, we are allowed to do and be whatever we want. You know, mm. as long as you're not hurting anybody or exploiting anybody or. Um, and, and adult babies exist, and we're not saying it is wrong or it is this, that, and the other. It's it, it's so in the fantasy world. These people happen to be adult babies, but um, we're not having a comment on being an adult baby or anything like that. It's so, it's just so ridiculously so far away um, from being a comment on adult babies. It's ridiculous. So, um, so hopefully not. And, we, and I've been in touch with a couple of adult babies on the internet of, of saying, I'm quite worried about your film coming out. Is it about this? Is it about that? And I'm going, no, absolutely not. Here's a sneak preview mm. of what it's about. And, and they've, they've seemed pretty happy. They're not pointing fingers going, are oh, you weird? You know, or is it about sex? Because there's nothing sexual about it. We don't even allude to any sexuality or any perversion with it. They are just adult babies. They're just running around in nappies. And fat men in nappies, you know, it's... It's it's an image, isn't it? <laughs> it's it it is. It's definitely an image. It's not one. It's not one that uh, I've I've come across yet uh, in real life. But yeah, it's it's um, it exists, and like you say, it, it, it it's going to happen whether we like it or not. So the idea of getting upset about it is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was just too good to pass up. It really was, you know. And I just, it was difficult getting people. Actually, we, we managed to get because we needed eight adult babies. It was easy getting four actors to play the adult babies because they've got lines and there's a room for them to do it, and that was great. And mm. we got Lawrence Harvey and Charlie Chuck and Seamus O'Neill, um, and, and they were great. You know, they, they just they just did it. And Andy Dunn, and, and, but then getting the four extras, who it was pretty much a thankless task. Hmm. Uh, it's tricky so we kept getting three and then want to drop out and then we get four and then want to drop out two days before and you know so we, you don't really know where to start and how to sell it and then some people go yeah i am interested um but can you sell them the scripts and then that'd be it they'd, they'd say no so um because it was you know you're vulnerable aren't you you're, you're walking around a, a set all day in a nappy and you're 60 years old it's, you know, it's, it's, it's no dignity. well i was going to say if you go back to the what we were talking about earlier about the insecurity potentially of an actor Mm. of what you're being asked to portray mm. and every time they look in the mirror every time they get up from makeup they've got a nappy on it's <laughs> uh, it's not it's not a strong look is it if it's not what no. you're used to did you did, was there ever a temptation to reach out to the adult baby community in that sense did that did that was that an option 
No, because it's nothing to do with the adult baby community. It really isn't. It's just that we've borrowed their image. I think if we'd have reached out to them, it, it, I think it would have been confusing and because mm. it just isn't anything to do with the adult baby community. It's just nothing to do with it. They, they are very, very, very rich men. The upper echelons, they're, they're MPs, chief of police, judges, TV presenters. You know, they, they're the, the upper echelon of society and, and they, they are they're kinky. And they, 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 as part of tradition, they wear these... Um, these these nappies so it, it you couldn't you couldn't stitch that onto and say that it relates to real adult babies you just couldn't you know so really what you've done is you've done adult babies brackets the masons <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah in yeah, a way yeah. in, a fu- that, in, in a funny yeah. way yeah i'd say that without any fear of being murdered in the night you know it, it really is supposed to be the masons you know <laughs> the, that side of things yeah Secret societies become yeah. become can can do what they want, can't they? And obviously, dressing up as an old baby is the kind of a, like the ultimate the ultimate gesture of proving you can do what you want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and there is a there's a, it all explains themselves why they're wearing nappies and what they do with the nappies after they've filled them, and you know what happens to that once it's been fed to something else, and it, it all gets completely out of hand and so far beyond. So, anything. so we know we know obviously, like you, like you say, a fat man in a nappy is you know we can close our eyes and we can smile. Yeah. But but so where where's the horror and the gross out that that we're going to get from from combining that image with a genre movie? What's well, we put we put a normal Middle England family in the middle of this mix, and okay. and and they don't want to be um, and they don't want to be discovered. They don't want their identities to be discovered, and and putting this family in the middle of it all that they they need to hide their identities. So that's that's the cat and mouse and. That's that's where it all happens, and plus the the nurse is realizing that they're being exploited and that they're they're disposable and they're trying to escape as well. So that's where it, it all blows up really. And then we have to delve into the history and the traditions and what they're doing and why they're doing it as well. On top of it all, so it all becomes uh, very convoluted <laughs> and uh, and very messy. Now, from I'm going to say messy is that messy is the operative word here. From what from what I remember of the little sneak preview you gave us at uh, Duke Mitchell. Oh, last, oh, yeah, yeah. last year at Fright Fest, you're going for gross out. There's some signature moments, isn't it? You're introducing to the genre here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah do, you want, do, you want to, do you want to hint as much as you can without spoiling uh, where we're going here? Because I, I don't want to spoil it for those who weren't at that and didn't see, yeah. but, you know... Well, tongues, uh, uh, tongues wag, so you tell me what, what you want to say in terms of where we're going here. Well, I've only got one thing to say, and that's shit cannon. That, I mean, that's... that's <laughs> yeah. See, I wanted <laughs> you to say it before I did. I wanted you to yeah. say it before I did. Yeah, yeah, well, that, we're very proud of it. You know, it's, it's, a, it's an invention, a modern-day invention, and it's what, it's what else you apply it to, isn't it, and what else it can do for society as a whole. But it's there now. We've invented it. It's in the world. You've done it. You've done, done, it's, you, you, should, you, you could... You can you can walk off into the sunset knowing you gave the world that the shit cannon. Yeah. <laughs> what they do with it after we've had it, I don't care. But you know, that's uh, we've done it. It's there. We've well, if you, if you think Romero gave us the zombie and all the rules, then whatever rules you've created for the shit cannon will yeah. have to be used in any other film thereafter. Yeah, that's it. Well, see, I hope people nick the idea. I hope somebody else runs along and just makes... Um, a, see, I want Return of the Adult Babies, I want Revenge of the Adult Babies, Night of the Adult Babies, The Killer Adult Baby, you know, everything. I, I just want... I'd, I'd love people to run away with it and make it a genre, but it's not going to happen, is it? But, um, well... Uh, <laughs> we'll be able to, you won't find anybody... We've used the eight actors in England that wanted to dress up as adult babies on screen, so there's nobody... You won't be able to make another one anyway. 
Yeah, and I'm not sure their their spotlight page is going to say. And anyway, yeah, so I'm I'm open for other adult baby roles. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you you were saying before that that uh, I'd be interested to know what it was with um, with Sally Dexter then as your director. What was what were those nuggets that you you, you were you were you were able to get that 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 added colour to what what her character was as you were directing her? And was that something that was happening? Offset, or was this ha- this magic happening while you were discussing the shot as you're getting ready to shoot? I think she's just one of them actors that, that you come across them, and, the, and there was plenty on the shoot. It's just mm. that she was a gift because she came at it very late on. We were after because uh, I'm sure she won't mind me saying, but uh, so Vicky Smurfit, who was in Bait with mm. with Joe, um, and she wasn't available. She was working in America. Uh, the Soska twins were interested in it as well, and then they were doing something over there. And then uh, and so Sally came uh, because she'd done a previous film with the line producer, Carl Hall, and, and he said, you should look at Sally Dexter. Okay. So we sent the script, and very quickly she said, yeah, I'd love it, it's insane, I'll come and do it. And she just arrived with lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of ideas, and her and Joe bounced off each other brilliantly, and Joe's very inventive. Uh, so the, just she knew she had the permission to, to play along, because Joe's playful. Um, and it was just that thing where is, you, you can work with younger actors where they'll just they'll learn the lines and do exactly what you've asked, or you have to tell them what to do. And it was just that experience of she's been at the RSC, she's been on lots of different things, she's won sort of awards all over. And I think she's just used to the rehearsal process and um, coming up with gifts to to play against the screen. So she just seemed to have a million different ideas, and every take seemed to be different and would seem to develop. And she was just great. She's just great. But in, in what in what sense? What, what what was she? What was what wasn't there mm. that was there after she gave you input, as it were? What was what was what did she give the character? Lines. I think that's the acting. The, the acting is not what you, it's not just getting the lines and learning it. It's what you do with the lines. You know. So yeah. She said, um, oh, I can't even do it, because we ended up doing an awful impression. You'd have to watch it. It's just a, what, it, it's just a character. It's a fully rounded, three-dimensional character that is hilarious, and you just go, oh, my God, thank you. You know, it's just, you'd have to watch it to get what I mean, but she's just, she comes with weird intonations and funny little tricks, and she's tricksy, and she has little looks, and, you know, you just want to keep the camera on them, too, all the time, so. Is this a bit like with, with, with like, Jonathan you had in Bay? Is this the same yeah, kind of thing exactly where, that. Yeah, 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 where exactly. you've got someone that knows their trade, as it were, and... Yeah. And, and yeah. so, so given, I remember the conversation about working with Charlie Chuck on bait being mm. somewhat challenging. So, so how did he end up being in the, fil- the next film? Well, because I knew that um, the only way, because he was great in bait, you know. Yeah, he was great, yeah. Yeah, he, but he's a force of nature. And mm. he, the only way you're doing it is by saying, right, Charlie, when I say action, you go for it. You do your business, and when you're quiet, the next person that's got their cue, then they come in. And also, when they finish their cue at the end of the scene, then you go for it at the end. You know, you've got your freedom at the beginning and at the end of the scene, and we'll decide whether to cut it or add it in the middle of the scene, or we'll get rid of it, or we'll just keep it on you. So he knew that he just had he didn't he didn't have cues to come into. He, he'd just do his thing, mm. and then the scene would you know would carry on, or or we'd say when he says that, and when it comes to your line, you don't have to say this exactly. Just go for it. So he said, so so in Bait, he was he was credited as David Keir, which is his name. Yeah. But on this, he said, he said, no, I was full Charlie Chuck, and you can credit me as Charlie Chuck because you know, he is. He just, we got all the donkeys and itching bow wow and all the all the big things that he shouts and screams on set and on, yeah. sorry and uh, and we were lucky enough to get that. He just said, right, I'm going to give you Charlie Chuck for this, and, and he did. He went insane and, and wearing a nappy as well. I was going to say it's almost like you've 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 created the. The playground for Charlie Chuck to go and play in. 
Yeah, I wish there was more, you know, he's in it, he's in it a lot, but you, there's part of you thinks, oh, you know, this, this should have been about, every time it cuts to the adult babies, it should be about him, and, and also, <laughs> but then you've got Seamus O'Neill, who's brilliant and drives it and gives it that that gravitas, and he's, he's brilliant as a central person with a lot of authority, and, and then uh, Lawrence Harvey, who we only had for three days, we just stuck him in it, and he's just, he just looks the part, he's just, he's just... You know, and he didn't seem to care. He just said, yeah, I'll put this nappy on. You go, oh, my God, look at you. That's amazing. But (laughs) he wants to do it right. He wants to, you know, he knows that it's a genre film and he he wants to be right in there. And he was great. There is, it is a big, I mean, it's, I mean, I know we started this as the conversation, like the trust element, but obviously going to the extremes you have with the idea you're trying to make into a film, Mm. it sort of ups the ante, doesn't it, on that trust all the time? It's like, are you making a feel out of me? It must run through somebody's head at some point. And... Yeah, but, but uh, yeah, I'm not, I don't think because it, because of, with the setups right, and because yeah. we had the budget, and, we, and again, Jeff Boyle was there. He's very, very, very seriously into the craft of what he does. So he's, mm. he's not just a DOP. I'll tell him the shots, and I'll tell him the frame, and I'll tell him whatever the thing is. But mm. him, uh, him, and he, he's a his camera operator. Uh, um, he, uh, oh God, what's his name? Uh, Greg Smith. Yeah. Uh, just they work together brilliantly and, they, and they're very very serious about it so on set it, it it can be very very professional so it's not a gaggle of students pissing about and dressing up and just throwing a camera around the room you know I, i've set my shops up very very carefully mm. um, it takes us an hour to light the thing in this posh house that's 900 years old that's enormous that's worth God knows how much, you know, in the middle of this country pile. And you just know we're not messing about, we're not we're not pissing about with it, and we're certainly not taking the mickey out of any of them. So I think there's an atmosphere that I like to have on set that is that performance pitch and seriousness, even if you're filming comedy or or or, uh, or like bait in the middle of a marketplace. It's got to have... You what, know, what, were, what, were you, what were your references when you were talking about how you wanted to shoot this? What were you, what were you riffing on from your kind of... from your genre archive in your head? What what were you thinking? You wanted that you wanted to to come across like with this movie. Um, for me, I really like you know the old DC comics, the pre-code comics. I, I read them just. I, I've got a pile, and I read them in the bath, and I read them inside of the bed, and I just like flying through them. And I like the fact that they're not they're linear, and they've always got a nice little bit at the end. But there mm. really aren't any rules. There can be a spaceship arrives in the middle of a, um, and it's it's always slightly sinister, always slightly arch, always slightly camp, um, and they're they're very and very very English. You wanted it to stink of Englishness, and mm. um, and I just like them comics where they're real. There are very few rules, but they're always a setup. They're always in a big house somewhere. They're always either in a haunted house or, you know, and something's askew and then something's explained at the end, and it's always enormous and uh, it, it ends up not where you expected it. And I just thought it'd be nice to try and get some of that on on um, on film, really, and that sort of mood of them comics. So that was always in my head, um, even with the palette of the of the colours that we use for the for the grading. It was always there, thinking, yeah, this is the mood that I want of these pre-code daft comics that seem to go from left to right and without any really care, but they, they really told a story that grips. So, and, so then how did you sort of land such a, or find the um, such a prestigious location to, 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 you know, to give the film that, that sort of gravitas that you wanted? Was that was that a never-ending search, or was did something just land in your lap, as it were? It was supposed to be at Allerton Hall, but um, they were filming 
Victoria there and they'd gone over by two weeks so we had to scramble around and get somewhere sharpish mm. and so we asked around and we had a, a great locations person Nadia Hall mm. and she was brilliant and she knew the people so they'd filmed there before uh, they'd filmed the do you know the Wuthering Heights with uh, Thingy Binoche and um, what was she called? Julie Binoche? Yeah Juliette Binoche yeah, the French yeah, actress yeah, Juliette Binoche and, uh, and, and uh, Ray Fiennes mm. And so it was there, you know, so, so they'd, had, they'd had filmed people there before. And I think one of the sons was a producer as well. They'd done Robot Overlords. And so that, I think they were, they were kind of, they were, they were sympathetic to, to our needs. And we had the budget as well. So it just meant that we could film there, we could live there, we could store everything there. We didn't need transport. We could eat there. Uh, and it just meant that we could wake up in the morning, film, 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 until we were, we'd finished the day's, uh, schedule and then we could all go to our beds and everybody had a four poster bed and uh, and the heated swimming pool there so everybody was you know, we were, it was almost that's almost jolly hockey sticks there mate well you know, it was really 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 hard work and we did go over by hours on certain days but the days that we finished on time everybody jumped in the pool you know so that you, you, could, you couldn't say well we're going over by two hours does anybody mind you know because nobody had dared say they mind because they were all living in luxury and uh, yeah we were we were treated very 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 well there and so, so it is. The whole thing is single location. The whole, the whole thing is single location. Even the the, the country lanes where they're driving there is within the grounds. They've got country lanes surrounding the house, and then coming from the family's house, that was a, um, a house within the grounds as well. So, what producer's like, dream, isn't it? That <laughs> it was amazing. Yes, yeah, so we all we all stayed together. Nobody left the set, and we all lived there for three and a half, four weeks, and. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever be on another shoot like it, ever. Yeah, I was going to say, some people going like, just enjoy this while it lasts, enjoy this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, that was, you know, so even people that like they had babies and people with bit parts and um, everybody since is on Facebook or Twitter. So as soon as we've said that it's on Facebook, everybody just keeps saying, oh, I had an absolute blast on this, you know, didn't want it to end. And, mm. and that's what it was, really. It's different for a director because you're never off and you, you panic, you're in that state of panic and that sheer terror of is this going all right and am i getting what i need and that so you don't really enjoy it at the time it's afterwards that you go all oh, right yeah i like the post-production mate. yeah but i just have you read devil's candy about yeah i have yeah it's insane yeah yeah but, but his his theory about the director goes into the tunnel and the only way out is the end of the tunnel you can't go uh, back yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it's absolutely on that because it? It, there is a tipping point i think that happens early on for me as well because once you've once you've committed to it and somebody's once you because you have to open up um well, you have to insure the the thing and then you have to yeah. book all the equipment and the staff and everything and there, there just comes a tipping point where you think i couldn't pull out of this even what i wanted to we're going to have to do this mm. and that's terrifying that that's a lot of weight on your shoulders i think but yeah i think having this time having a line producer in Carl Hall was, was great for that because he didn't seem to care, you know. He, like I'd panic and say, what, what about this, these accounts? What about this legal side of it? And, and what about these contracts? And he'd go, yeah, it's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're the right people to have on board. Yeah, definitely. I'll work with him every single time now because he completely calmed me down. And that's interesting, that. And I think that says a lot about the collaborative nature of film beyond just the obvious kind of what you try and put in front of the camera. The fact that he's doing work that helps you direct the movie mm. is just as important as the DLP helping you get the shot, isn't it? Oh, without a doubt. Without, without a doubt. Yeah, he's the person that you fall on and say, I'm friend. And they go, there's no need to be because I've got all this bit. You know, it's, just, it's just someone that you need. And I didn't have that on base. And I had a, a, a 
not a mental breakdown, but uh, that sheer panic of saying, oh, my God, I've done this wrong. Oh, my God, this is late. Oh, I haven't signed that. Oh, we're a we're breach of contract with that. Oh, legally, we're in this ground. And it was just firefighting all the way through. And mm. It's only watching the film now away from it. You go, oh, that's I like that. You know, I'm not, I, I enjoy Bates, but it, it was too painful to watch for a long time. So, Even if I wouldn't watch it. So looking back on, on Attack of Adult Babies then, sort of, it, while, while it was happening, you were obviously having the, the kind of fear adrenaline thing going on to get the film made. Yeah. Now you can look back on it. What are, what, are, what, are, what are a couple of your fondest memories of the shoot? I mean, four poster beds and eating swimming pools sounds good, but uh, anything about like challenge, anything to do with like challenges you overcome making the movie? No, because it, because it, because because I had it to I had bait and before dawn to compare it to, so everything mm. did seem to go right and. Uh, and so the whole thing was 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 pleasant, really. Okay. Uh, it didn't seem to be. I mean, it was still fearful, and it was still ridiculously hard work. Mm. And you still, you know, you still you still playing with other people's money. You still got to deliver this money back to them at some point, you know. And, of course, yeah. And you still got to have a. But, I, but you know, even doing the the editing and that, you were you weren't beholden to a company that would step in and send somebody up from London, say, well, you can't do that, and you've got to get rid of that, and you've got to put this in, and can you do a reshoot for three days? And mm. it wasn't anything like that. It's our film. That was it, you know. And it was kind of a sideline. It's not something I'd do again. I, I, I can imagine if I get onto film four and five, which we're planning film four now, mm. um, I would look on adult babies as kind of a sidestep and something we did along the way. You know, uh, it was a very expensive sidestep, and but it, it was definitely like a relief and something that was a lot of fun and uh, and not not to belittle it because it's it's an enormous in its scope. It's the biggest thing I'd worked on with the biggest budget I'd ever worked on. But it's definitely like mentally in my in my I don't know. It's, in my linear way of thinking of, of making films or what I'd like to do next, it, it's almost like, oh, that was great fun, and we did that. We stepped to one side and did that, and then carried on doing these. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how how comfortably it sits in whatever we've done before or will do in the future. I think that, that, that's interesting. It's, it's kind of um, it's fairly circumspect, but it's it, it makes it makes sense because it mm. it just means you're not sure, I guess, from what you're saying. It does. You'll only know maybe five or six years down the line. What what it what it represents because because the next step is the next step isn't it, and because you yeah, had that because you had the opportunity because you had that Puerto Rico opportunity that fell by the wayside, yeah. this filled a gap didn't it in a way and that, that's not to belittle it either but no 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 and I'm not I don't I don't mean like I'm not sure of it I just I just I just mean that it it's flavour and it's it's where it sits and it's it's like we threw everything out the window and then ran at it and with joyful abandon and made mm. this. That's a good. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I suppose you're right, and it, it was a reaction because there was a lot of anger went into it as well, and so. And that's uh, a good thing, you know. So that's, that's what I'm saying. It's not. It's 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 kind of the opportunity presented itself when you obviously were in your in your head, three months, four months previous. That was yeah. that was the last thing from your mind. You had this script that maybe one day might get made, but it wasn't yeah. where you were, and then suddenly you're like, it's front and center. And yeah. so you like go, hey, let's go. Yeah, because it was a weird part of my life. So it's almost like I'd left Emmerdale. I didn't know I was going back there, or they'd have me back, and everything had collapsed financially with the thing in America. And mm. uh, and you know, like like I was, I've always massively into like Pill and Stiff Little Fingers and um, 
uh, far younger than I should have been in Sex Pistols, and, and, and I always thought I really, I've always wanted to be in a punk band, and it was like being in a punk band, you know, it was like mm. we were just like running around with loads of anger and pouring it onto the screen, but like so everybody's laughing and there's shit and blood flying everywhere, but really it was just going, you know, you, it's just so much um, passion and energy went into it that it, it was. It, yeah, I don't know. I, it's hard to describe. It certainly isn't because I'm not sure of it or that uh, it was a sideline because it's like um, uh, it's it's a frippery or anything like that. It's hard to describe actually, but it's just it's just not that socially conscious thing that we've we've normally done. Because even the one in America in Puerto Rico that was like six million dollars and a lot of people and a good cast and you know it, it felt like a step up. So they, so when this was a what I mean is you know it was like a a sidestep and, and a reaction to what had happened with that, really. No, no, and lots of people do it. It's, it's a common, it's a common, it, weirdly, it's a common story because the, 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 the film world isn't, isn't just a simple a series of decisions that go, OK, this is what we're doing next, this is what we're doing next, we'll get this money here. Everything's precarious, isn't it? As as, as you've proven in a way. Well, yeah, I think I think because things have happened before, and people said like after well, it happens all the time, you know. And you, if you lived in America and you're doing it, because I was going to have to join the Directors Guild of America and do all this, that there was loads of stuff wrong. Oh, okay, okay. Get the visa done and all that, so it seemed massive. And then when it collapsed, it was it was it was really it was heartbreaking. But um, what they were saying that is well, it, it happens all the time. Then you'd have to go off and direct a drama, or you do this, or you do that, and the other. You know, you, you you've got your agent, and you say, well, I've got these five months off now, and you go and do that. Well, that wasn't there for me because I mean, my full time job is Emmerdale, and you know, I, um, and I love it, and I didn't want to jeopardise that in any way, and I had I'd massively jeopardised it, and whatever I jeopardised it with had collapsed, so it was like the nightmare situation, really. So before we started recording, we did mention I was I was sort of in my kind of research before we spoke. I noticed that it's it's billed as the attack of the adult babies, and yet mm. on on IMDb it's it's listed as adult babies. So yeah. what what where, where was the? I presume obviously IMDb was first, and then the the attack of the adult babies mm. developed as a title. So what's the story behind that? Well, it was always attack of the adult babies. The, the title was always had always come first, and um, but then. Once we'd, we'd managed, we were very lucky to get AMP International, uh, who were previously Salt, hmm. uh, as a sales agent, who were a really great big outfit. And um, uh, But they, once they'd, they'd seen the promo, they'd read the script and said, I, I think this is this is more adult babies because it will go further, it will get a bigger audience, it will do this, that and the other, and, the, and people will be curious and it will bring them in. And then when he saw the, the final cut of the film, he went, oh, this is Attack of the Adult Babies. So, <laughs> And we were like, well, we we told you. So, <laughs> right, okay. So we came, we kind of came back round to our idea, really. So almost like a kind of what we can sell is this idea, and then like, oh, we're selling this film. Ah, I see. Right, okay. Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. And he just <laughs> clearly this this film should be called Attack of the Adult Babies. So um, it seemed to make sense. And we it, did film. We filmed the script. You know, we, the, the film is is the script on film, and. Um, yeah, so you just thought, I mean, because on script it's fine, it's, it's a series of words and it's a story, but then when you get there, we, we've we've re-edited 1930s cartoons, black and white, that we've managed to get the rights to. We've got um, Claymation by Lee Hardcastle in the middle of it. And then we, yeah, yeah, there's, there's a big section with him, and then we've got a, um, a big CGI 35-foot model that Sean Harrison built, who's done the um, Avengers and Harry Potters and Star Wars. So he built that, and then um, when we had him on set doing the, the noses, uh, and he was supervising all the special effects, and then we had Alex Shandon doing the digital animation as well. So there's like three different sections of animation in there, and then bits of big CGI with a bit of Godzilla at the end, and, you know, a little bit, well, not giving away the ending or anything, but, um, yeah, so there's a lot of thrown at it. That it does, doesn't necessarily come out in the script, and then when he saw it, he went, "Oh, oh, I see, right." 
It's funny when um, when you you you, you may not, I'm not suggesting for a minute you, you're regularly googling your own name. That would be balmy. Um, when you type in your name into Google from my end, Mine. yeah, type your, if I'm typing your name into Google, yeah. it go you know the way Google auto fills. The top, yeah. the, the top one, it just goes Dominic Brun inbred. Does it? <laughs> yeah. And what then there's other it? things. There's other things. There's other things that follow it. But it just yeah. made me laugh. I thought. <laughs> oh, Obviously, I know. I know it's the title of the film you're in, but it's just as a Google search, it's sort of things. <laughs> it just made me laugh. <laughs> Dominic Brun's inbred. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, that was. I, I'm quite flattered about that actually, because in, in, inbred did very well. He went all over the world, you know. So I think um, like Emmerdale goes to 15 or 16 different countries, but I think inbred went all over the world. And I was oh, only wow. a little part in that, but I'm really proud of it. And also Alex Shandon, you know. He's That's what you reminded me when you mentioned his name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's lovely. What a lovely man. So when when you when you're doing sort of a gross out horror film, mm. genre film, where do you where do you go? I mean, you've mentioned some of the people you're working with. So what were the conversations like about uh, where you get the invention from? I, I'm thinking of. I mean, I remember watching. I mean, this is going to sound like a crass example, but I was watched that the documentary that Nicholas Wine and Reference Wife made of him making Only God Forgives. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know if you've, have you seen it? I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. You know the bit when he turns around to like the, the guys on the crew. He goes. I want to fight thing. Just make it intelligent or make it exciting. I'm thinking that doesn't seem like helpful. <laughs> you don't sound very uh, articulate or intelligent. No, it was it? like it was sort of like, well, hold on a minute. You're just saying to the blocks, be inventive as an instruction. So, Dominic, how did how did you get the invention in the in the gross out? Because obviously, gross out is is a big part of genre, mm. and you've got your shit cannon. But obviously, that's not you're not a one note film. So, what were no. you, what were you talking about with your crew and your cast and that to to establish but, your, your invention. I just think the trick is to work with people that you've worked with before. So I knew Graham Taylor that was doing all the practical effects and I knew Sean Harrison who wanted to work on bait but he was busy. Mm. Uh, and I'd worked on his short film before and we, we'd planned it and planned it and planned it and planned it and talked about it and met with it and because it all had to, to be budgeted so we knew what we were getting. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, even working with Alex Sandon that was doing that, you know, you just you, it's just working with people you've worked with before and bringing in Jeff Boyle again who was suffering with cancer at the time um, on set. Wow. Um, and it, it's just, it's just, there's a, there's a shorthand with working together. As we said before about Bates, the mm. shorthand between Joe and Vicky, they, they knew each other. Mm. There was no deep discussion and trying to pussyfoot around each other. You say what you want and you get it, you know. And, and also trusting what Graham um, and his team had already done. And, and then Darren Graspy and Ian Jowett that had already, two Baldi's effects that had already worked on before dawn, they came back for smaller bits on this and helped out. And it's just getting people that you don't have to just go, hi, where are you from? Have you ever fallen? You know, and all this crap. Right. Just, <laughs> it's people that you know and you go, oh, you do that, don't you? You know, and Graham Taylor knows about throwing blood about. And uh, Neil Myers, who we've worked on, he's done three films with us now uh, with the CGI and whatever we put on screen, um, in reality, with the prosthetics and the pumps, he can augment then, uh, and he, he's on set with us going, all right, I'd do that, and if you can do that, if you can hide that bit, I'll probably be able to do that if you move that bit there and move that bit round, and using massive, big roomfuls of green screen for the first time as well. Um, people seem to be getting better at what they were doing, so, um, yeah, there was a shorthand there. I, th I think that answers your question, don't I? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think so. I reckon it does. Yeah. I, I do waffle, I do waffle. We all waffle, don't yeah. worry. Now, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> now, looking at your poster, yeah, it's bloody brilliant for starters. I love that poster. It's, I mean, there's there's spit on your grave coming at me as I'm looking at it. 
Mm. Well, it's not spiteful like that. There's no. There's no, no, a... no, no. But just, just the, just the, the makeup of the image. Yeah. Um, but who, who's responsible for that? And, and, and when... you know, I, I, I can't remember his name. And as well, I, I was sent uh, by uh, James Norrie and a friend of it. I, I will find out who it is, and I'll text you or I'll email you the name of the chap that did it. Okay. Uh, and he sent through. It might have been ten, but it might have been more than that at first. About fifteen different things. And they call what they call them like um, like prototypes. Proof of concept. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. That's that's the term. That's the that's the term. That's the term they use. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> Don't work better mine. And then uh, so, uh, you get sheets of them and go through them, and some of them are great, and some of them are outlandish, and some of them are this, that, and the other. And then you settle on one, and then you go, oh yeah, I really like that one. But then we're missing that from this one. Then they put that in, so then the adult baby had to be in. I think the original one just had the nurse there, mm. and then they, they, so they had to put the adult baby in. There were some knives in there as well, and we we're just like, oh, it kind of suggests that there's violence against women if you put them knives there, and there isn't any, and it's certainly not what we're going anywhere near. So we took them out, and then uh, then the writing and the font changed, and then uh, we had the, uh, the 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 title of the time for a change, which we always loved, and the resulted mm. titles that came out, and then and we put that. In. So it kind of just came together, you know. But um, but he was a genius, you know, and he gave it that whole look of um, of the grindhousey type look. And yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I think that's what I'm getting at with the spit in your grave thing. It has it has yeah. that sensibility, doesn't it? Yeah, because it's a dirty, horrible film. I know, it's, I know it's, it looks like Downton Abbey when it first starts, but it descends into awfulness, and, the, and that it kind of <laughs> side of it as well. That, yeah. that should be a quote on the poster. <laughs> it looks like Downton Abbey at the start. <laughs> <laughs> that'll get the Fright Fest audience in. Yeah, that'll get them in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, look, it's your world premiere at Fright Fest, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I do believe. Yeah. And you're in the main screen, and it's Leicester Square, so that's pretty. That's pretty funky, isn't it? Leicester Square World Premiere. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And the back of the Empire as well, Cine yeah. World. It's just, it's just great, and that's where it should be. That's where, that's where Fright Fest sits. And then they're doing the stuff at the. Is it the, um, the, the one around the, not the, the Prince Charles? Prince Charles, yeah, Charles, yeah, yeah. Which is great, and because we went there the other year, and they, they had the shorts back there, so it's kind of creeping back round to there, which is where it, it all started, and. Um, and it's just the atmosphere is better in that cinema. It just is. It's fantastic. Shepherd's Bush was all right because this, the people are there, and it, it, it's made by the people. Mm. Um, it seems to get smaller every year, but it actually gets bigger every year. It only gets smaller every year because the, the people there all just become a community, and everybody knows each other. You know, you're always at the bar, and we see mm. you not drinking. But, Obviously, um, not no working very hard. No, working no, but, very hard, Dominic. You know that. And, so yeah, yeah. And uh, so, um, so, yeah, I'm just pleased. I'm just, and they're just great. They're really, really great. Like this year, they, last year they did the first Blood stuff, which was for first-time directors. And then this year we're holding um, uh, a, a bit of a thing where it's, what would you call it? So, see, I'm getting word blind now. You're making me nervous because you beat me at that word. It's <laughs> uh, like a conference on, the, on uh, building um, uh, scripts for horror there's, films. There's, there's, a, there's, a thing, there's a, they've got a comp- an open competition called New Blood. And they're gonna, and I think you're you're in part, you're involved, aren't you? Mm, I yeah. am, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it like the mentors, so that Barbara yeah, 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 yeah. Barbara Crampton, yourself, and and Tra- Travis Stevens. That him, yeah, who's brilliant, yeah. And uh, so it'd be great, yeah. And and Giles is there from uh, used oh Giles to, Edwards as well, yeah, 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 yeah. And he used to, so I know Giles quite well. He he was responsible for watching Before Dawn in Cannes and took us to Metrodome. So I think he's kind of. <laughs> He has a lot to answer for, really. He gave I like, so, I like yeah. that. He was responsible for watching before the dawn. Like, like there was, uh, who's going to be responsible for this? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be it, says Giles. 
Well, we were very lucky because then he took it to to yeah. Richard and said you should you should distribute this, and and then it all came from there. And then from there we got bait, and uh, Metrodon paid for bait, you know, to, to mm. be made to pay for the whole budget. So, um, so I, I haven't seen Giles for years, so I'm looking forward to seeing him. And he knows an awful lot, and I think he's something to do with Shudder now, isn't he? Is he? Um, I'm not sure. I know, I know, I know. MPI Media mm. is the company yeah. that he's with now, but yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, presumably by the sounds of things, you'll be there at the bar as well. This year, well, and, and also... I'll be working there on that on that Thursday, so I'm going to be doing that, which it was an honour to be asked to do, and, and and because there's some real talent out there, and it's not supported, and because we're genre, we get pushed to one side, and there isn't the money there sometimes, and, and all that post horror shit that I'm sure you've heard about and read about, which is just appalling. Uh, and have angry, you read Have you read Sarah Dobbs' piece from a yeah. while ago, which is actually in response to the notion of elevated genre? Oh but, no no the thing, no 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 sorry that, I was on about three days ago there was the thing about post horror that came out no there was the post horror article yeah. by a guy called I think Stephen Rose I think from, from yeah, the Guardian that, that, that wrote that yeah 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 but no no a while ago and this got recirculated as a result of the post horror thing mm. um, Sarah Dobbs who's like Denny Geek and Sci Fi Now right. wrote an article called H is for horror let's just call it that kind of thing so as <laughs> argues that horror is horror yeah. it's a, it, to me it's like I was. I made the comparison with um, it's like if you think about music, mm. there, there, there's 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 heavy metal, yeah, for, for the masses, and then for this so-called for the elite, you have things like math rock and all kinds yeah. of other fancy names for what is the same bloody thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's horrible, and we should be we should be proud of it. You know, it's only because if if three films make it successfully in America, then they say, well, this can't be this can't be that little pot of thing called horror. It must be something else. It must be something because people that watch other things are watching this now, and we've got to rebrand it because we we won't have that. And it it just seems pompous. And I like going the other way. I like claiming stuff that wants to be something else for horror. So it's like I'm constantly getting the arguments because I keep saying Seven is a horror film. Yeah, it is a horror film. Of course it is, but the but the amount of people that will swear blind it's not, and you because it's a thriller because it's got serious actors in. You're like it's, it's a, a it's a friggin' horror. Yeah, it is horror. Definitely is horror. It's the Seven Deadly Sins for Christ's sake. I mean, you don't <laughs> get you don't get more pure of a horror than Seven Deadly Sins. But yeah, um, and let's be honest, post horror's not come that long after we were told Death Wave was what. There was a wave. That was last year. I don't know if you remember that one. God, no, I missed that one. No. Well, clearly, you know, elevated genre hit a glass ceiling. Death wave crashed on the shore, and now yeah. we've got post horror. I think they'll be going postal horror soon. Yeah, but it is it is a rebranding of elevated horror, isn't it? It's, it's that thing of it must be worth something more if more people are watching it, and it, it's it's it feels a bit classes. Yeah. It feels a bit classism to me, if it, that's if that's the right word. Um, yeah. You know, it's a bit like people who've got involved with something and then don't like everybody that likes it so they, they look down the nose and go hold on a minute we're not creating this I mean I think yeah. you, you saw it with I mean I loved Babadook but it got it got sort of kidnapped by a load of people who were going well this clearly isn't horror because look there's it's an intelligent film about about grieving you're like going I can show you hundreds of horror films that, that look at grieving. Yeah, exactly. and it's, it's written by people that would normally look over the shoulder while there's a horror film on thinking it's about people killing each other and, and completely ignoring the metaphors and the allegories that are hidden behind all most horror films. I mean, there are there is some shit out there. Look, let's not, but there's lots of shit rom-coms, there's lots of exactly. shit dramas, exactly. and nobody denigrates those dramas for the same yeah. reasons. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, look, now we've solved that problem. Um, <laughs> Let me put that to the <laughs> I'm sure it's going to come up on a few of the podcasts. I look forward to it, actually to see what the different views are because um, it, it has my Facebook timeline has gone has gone a bit kind of like there is the to and fro in on this one, which I think is quite funny. But look, yeah, I choose to ignore it. I just I just don't want to get into because I think the the, uh, the the temptation is to to 
comment on every single thing. And I think if you comment on it, you give it life. And I just refuse to believe that there's anything called that at all. You know, I, I refuse to rise to the bait. It's horror, and that's it. Fair enough. Well, look, Attack of the Little Baby is definitely horror, yeah? Yes, definitely horror. Well, look, thanks very much for coming on the podcast to, to help preview your movie ahead of your Thank world you. premiere. Exciting times ahead. And uh, if, if, if for no other reason, if you're listening, you're like, hmm, what should I do at Fright Fest? I'm going to say to people, shit cannon. Yeah. And if that don't get you down to the front of the row, then I don't know well, what there's, Yeah, yeah, there's a, a, a so fat men in nappies, no, yeah. shit cannon, no, um, sexy nurses in suspenders, no. All right, okay, all right, all right. Yeah, okay, yeah, we're, we're, you're not for us then if you're not going with those <laughs> three. <laughs> you don't. Exactly, yeah. So I'm going to give away, the, I'm going to bring a load of T-shirts there again anyway. So I think I'll end up, I mean, if somebody runs down the front in a, in a, in their underpants and shouts, I am an adult baby, they'll get a free T-shirt, but otherwise I'll probably, I don't think, maybe three people will do it, and then, so I'm going to give away a load of T-shirts on the night, anyway. And then, but <laughs> Hold we'll on, really... get that on Twitter, hashtag time for a change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks, Stuart, I really enjoyed this, I re- I've i still really, I've, from the last time we did it, and I was getting that taxi across from London, it was a great discussion, you, you seem to eke out things that I'd normally be guarded about, and I've really enjoyed it, and I love your website anyway, and I love, I love what you do, so thank you. Well, that's very kind of you to say so. John would be very proud of that too, who's the, who's the kind of the engine behind Britflix. I'm, I'm just a podcast man, but yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. It's the Britflix.com podcast. Hey. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Oh, yeah.